Hey, welcome to the Epic Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Mitchell, and besides being a husband and a father to four wonderful children, I am also a small business owner. And I'm Bobby Hawk. I'm co-hosting with Chad. And not only am I a husband and father of two, but I am also a pastor. So we're going to talk about leadership and whether you are in the marketplace or the ministry, I think the Epic Leadership Podcast can encourage and enhance your leadership. Here we go. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever it is that you are listening to this. My name is Chad Mitchell. I'm here with my buddy, Bobby Hawk. Bobby, how are you? I'm good. If you're up in the middle of the night because you couldn't think of anything else to do but listen to us, then, uh, man, wow, today is for you (laughs) because you should be sleeping. But we're so glad uh, whenever, wherever you're listening. uh, Thanks for tuning in. Chad, today, uh, I'm kind of excited about this because uh, actually I uh, started a series uh, this past Sunday, um, an eight-week series at Epic Church on uh, on some of the stuff we're going to talk about, uh, calling the series Mind Your Business. But today, we want to talk about the mental battle uh, that relates to both life and leadership. And uh, we all have a, a mental battle. And, um, and so, yeah, it'll be fun to talk through with you today. I'm excited to dive into this topic. I, I do realize, Chad, not everybody listening is necessarily a person of faith, and that's okay. Um, we hope that you'll continue to listen. Uh, the majority of our podcast, we don't really hit the faith perspective as much, but uh, Chad, I think as we kind of talked beforehand, most of our stuff is unscripted, but we obviously talk through some of the major points. I think you and I both agreed there's no way for us personally to tackle this topic without incorporating our faith. So we're going to incorporate that today. Is that is that true? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you when you think about you know all of the things that that not just you and I go through, we all go through, right? And we all have different ways of dealing with that. But um, as you mentioned, you know, when thinking about dealing with some of these topics and thinking about dealing with you know whole the the whole mental battle of things, um, you know there's going to be times to when that's going to be tough to deal with. And for me personally, and I know for you as well, because we've talked about it, my faith is what gets me through it. I mean, that's, that's where I lead on. So, you know, I, I guess I would challenge our listeners um, to just listen to it, listen to this podcast as we go through it. And, you know, I think you'll be able to pick some things out of it though, that that's really going to benefit you and maybe even benefit, benefit some others that you, uh, that you may know. Yeah. And, and for Chad and I, faith is pretty practical. So I think you're going to see a lot of practical take on this. We just realized that in the practical um, also comes just the component of uh, prayer um, and then just kind of seeking out that peace that we feel like God gives us. But uh, we certainly are going to focus on some uh, some practical steps today. So let's uh, jump right in. Let's talk about the mental battle. I think it was G.I. Joe that said knowing is half the battle. And uh, what we know is that uh, we're we're all made from the same stuff, right, Chad? Absolutely. And you know what? When we are made from the same stuff, you know, I think I've heard one say this before. We all go through the same stuff because we're all made of the same stuff. And, and you know what? It's not a matter of if you battle this stuff at some point in your life. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen and how often it's going to happen and then how you deal with it, Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that it's interesting that, you know, I come from uh, those of you that are listening, uh, come from 
the ministry world. I've spent 20 years of my life as a lead pastor. And uh, while I also engage in the business world and the education world and some of the other things that I do, my primary role uh, has been as a pastor in churches, Chad, um, and just in general, have not always done the best job at actually talking about things that relate to mental and emotional health and and certainly haven't necessarily been practical about it. So what I don't want our listeners to think is that our overarching solution, you know, to the battles of the mind in life and leadership are just simply, hey, just need to pray about it and move on. That's right. not what we're advocating. Uh, though I will say that, yeah, for, for me, uh, prayer is a part of it, but I believe that there are some very practical things that go with prayer, some things that we need to realize. And, and you're right. One of the realizations maybe is just we're all the same. Uh, though we're all different, we're all really the same. You know, we, we all have uh, challenges. Uh, you know, we have situations in life. For instance, everybody's going to face something that's unexpected. That's, right. that's common to everyone. Now, what that is, sure, that's going to be different, but we're all going to face unexpected situations, which can lead to a level of anxiety. Yeah. So I would say every leader at some time in their leadership is going to deal with anxiety and, and being anxious. What's interesting, if we want to kind of, when I say every leader, um, I could point to the person that I follow in my life, Jesus, and I could point to right before his death in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was dealing with anxiety, and you can read about it right in the Bible. So if Jesus is dealing with anxiety, then I think it's fair to say every leader is going to deal with a level of anxiety. And for some, maybe Chad, it, it it's a high level of anxiety. Maybe it's something that they need uh, some additional help with, whether right. that's counseling or some medicine to battle out a chemical imbalance. But even if it's not at that level um, I think that every leader deals with it. So let's let me start with anxiety because that's one that I think we think of often. And here's what I've realized, Chad, that anxiety is really not um, it's not a sin. It's not like there's something wrong with you or something broken. It's it's more of a symptom. Right. You know, it's a symptom that something uh, something could be off or wrong. It's almost like the car right. signals, right? The signal yeah. comes on the dash and says. Hey, you probably need to check the engine. Okay, well, then I need to get help with checking the engine. But continuing to run the car down the road and avoiding that and ignoring that is probably not going to be the best thing. But I think sometimes in leadership, we feel like we have to have it all together. So I can't admit that I'm dealing with something like anxiety. People might think I'm broken. People might not want to follow. And I think the danger in that chat is if I don't deal with it, I'm actually probably causing more harm to myself, which eventually could be more harm to others in the organization. What What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I, this whole mental health thing, the anxiety thing, you know, for years, Bobby, as you and I were growing up, we're about the same age. But as we were growing up, you know, I, I just don't- Just ever, want to point out you're older, but continue, yeah, please. M- maybe by a year or so. You know, I just want to point out that when you and I were growing up, I can't remember ever hearing anything about this stuff. You know, I can't remember ever hearing anything about- anxiety or anything about mental health. And I think it was always there. It was just kind of put underneath the table and nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to hit it head on. And, you know, as, as we get older and as our kids, you know, you and I are looking at our kids, 
I would say that mental health and anxiety is probably one of the biggest issues that our kids face today. Absolutely. No, you're spot on. And in the church world growing up, I, I really never heard it talked about. But if I did hear it talk about, I feel like it was it was presented as something is wrong with you. Not, right. not something's wrong with everyone, that everyone deals with this because I mean, Chad, at some level, we're all broken in some capacity, and that's okay. It, it, we're, none of us are perfect is is the point of that statement. Well, if none of us are perfect and we're all made from the same stuff like you said, then we're all probably going to deal with the same stuff. And it was a taboo topic that I feel like it best was addressed with, well, what's wrong with you? You just need to pray about it. You just need to give it to God or, or whatever the verbiage was. And, and the reality is, is okay, there's truth in praying about it, but there's more to that. And so let me, let me give you an example, a study that I heard the other day, um, I thought it was fascinating and it was, uh, done by a neuroscientist. So it's certainly focused on the brain and the, the concept was simply this. If you would pray 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, you would actually change the chemistry of your brain. It was, it was the idea that we can actually change our brains. And right. so, and, and the whole prayer thing wasn't pray a specific prayer, pray a specific way. I think it had more to do with when, when you're praying or you're focusing on the fact that I can get better um, or positive thoughts, um, what you're doing is you're rewiring your brain. And for people that might say, well, Bobby, I'm not sure I believe that. Well, here's what I would say. Do the same thing with something negative or something fearful 12 minutes a day for eight weeks. And you'll find that you've rewired your brain the opposite way. So the right. point is, is maybe we create some of our own anxiety by what we spend our time focusing on, you know, by what we read, by what we listen to, by what we focus on. So the idea of prayer isn't just that I'm saying words to, you know, this, this being, this supreme being that's out there. It, it has to do with I'm actually, in a way, focusing on the good, the positive, the better outcome, the hope you might call it. And by doing that, I'm actually rewiring my brain to think about that. And so I would challenge our listeners, think about in your own life or leadership, a topic, a person, a situation, whatever that is that you have focused on consistently and you'll notice the more you focus on that, the more it dominates. I mean, it does. It starts to dominate, and that can be a good thing if it's the right thing, but man, that can be a bad thing. And I look back at my life and I say, yeah, I can think about things that I've focused on, spent too much time on that have created more anxiety as opposed to actually focusing on the things that might help me with anxiety. So again, for me, that made perfect sense when I heard pray 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, it was the idea of focus intentionally on hope and on peace um, 12 minutes a day for eight weeks. And notice if you're not starting to focus on that more and seeing the negative or the fear less. And I thought it was pretty powerful. Yeah, I don't think that, uh, you know, if you do that, you can't help but be better. I mean, you really can't because, I mean, if you start your day off, you know, and, and one of the things that, that we've done here recently with this series that we're getting ready to kick off is, you know, we've got these prayer journals, okay? And what's the purpose of the prayer journal? Well, call it a journal if you don't want to call it a prayer journal. I don't care what you call it. The purpose of that is to reflect, number one. Number two, be thankful. And number three, 
put down some thoughts that you can just release from yourself. And, you know, a lot of times what happens is we keep all of this stuff in. We keep all of this stuff in and there's no outlet for it. And that's part of the big problem because, you know, for years, Bobby, as I was struggling with some of this same stuff, I considered myself to be weak if I would voice it. Or I considered considered myself to be not a good leader if I ever talked about it. And that was just, it was, it was so untrue at the time. But again, we talked a little bit about how a lot of this stuff we didn't talk about as we were younger. And I think probably over the last five years, there's just been a big spotlight shined on this whole thing. And, you know, during the whole COVID process that we went through, that spotlight even got brighter, you know, yeah. just based off the fact that, you know, people were having to stay inside. They couldn't associate with other people. And for a guy who's pretty social like myself and like you, man, that was, that was a tough battle for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you're spot on. We want to come back to this idea of kind of, kind of hiding it. But as we do, I want you to think, I heard a pastor in an interview the other day and he was talking about anxiety and he had felt kind of the same way for years. He'd, he'd hidden it because that was a sign of weakness. That was almost like, I'm going to reveal the kryptonite, if you will, um, which it's not. That's just a lie that we believe. Um, in all honesty, I think you'd agree with me that people often connect more with your struggle than your success, right? right. Because we're all made of the same stuff. It goes back to that. But in in his case, he was part of an organization that had grown um, consistently. I think they had doubled four years in a row at the time, and he was just kind of overwhelmed with that. Well, I want to pause and say, yeah, if your organization doubles four years in a row and all of the challenges that will come with that from staffing uh, to budgeting, to planning, to forecasting, all of those things, um, the, the reality is that's going to create some stress that could lead to some anxiety but it's also going to create issues if your organization doesn't grow four years in a row. Yeah. Um, there's going to be issues if your organization is um, shrinking four years in a row. So it, the point is, is, it doesn't matter if you're growing and things are going well. It doesn't matter if you're not growing and things aren't going well. Anxiety is no respecter of growth or lack of growth, it's going to be there because you're facing unknown situations and challenges and trying to navigate through them. And so his his big takeaway was he finally admitted uh, that he needed help. Now, unfortunately for him, it had to get really, really bad, Chad. I mean, really bad for him uh, to the point, and again, he's admitted this in his own interview, but to the point that he had to do a seven-week inpatient rehabilitation. Right. Um, and I would say that most of us are not going to need that if we come out of hiding, right? A little bit quicker, a little bit sooner. Talk to me about that. What, what, when I say come out of hiding, what, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? You know, you said something before we even started this and it, it kind of resonated with me and it, and it kind of speaks to what you're talking about right now. You made the statement, we've got to figure out how to not let our mind bully our body. And a lot of what that is, is sometimes we just have to step forward and say, you know what, this is an issue for me. This is an issue for me. And whether you're stepping forward and you're talking to a spouse, whether you're stepping forward and you're talking to a good friend, a pastor, a, a therapist, anybody, 
when you come forward and you say, hey, this is an issue for me and I'm vulnerable in this spot, I mean, that actually opens the door for you to start getting better. You know what I mean? So I think the big thing here, and it's probably a big challenge for people, is um, just coming forward and, and first saying, hey, listen, I know I have a problem. And to be honest with you, Bobby, that's half the battle. Once you can figure out, hey, listen, I've got an issue with this. And those of you that think, hey, I don't have an issue with mental health or I don't have an issue with any of that stuff, you might look a little deeper because I feel like we're all going to have issues with this at some point. Yeah, that would almost be more concerning, Chad, is the person who says, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with that. Yeah. Um, well, you need to deal with it. The not dealing with it is not necessarily a good thing. That's what we've been taught. And I think that goes back to that, you know, when I said, don't let your mind bully your body. There's a, there's a story in the Bible, and I'll be talking about it in the series we're in, but it basically is this man, Elijah, and he's a prophet, and he does these incredible things. Um, and so whether, again, whether you believe in the Bible is true and historical or not, um, the principle that, that I'm about to share with you, I think, we can all relate to because we're all made of the same stuff. And after Elijah does these incredible things um, and is a part of this incredible experience, he gets into this massive depression, which doesn't seem to make sense because it seems like this guy's got it all together, got it all figured out. And the instructions that he's given uh, from God, basically uh, he needs to eat and he needs to sleep. You know, you think about it, Chad, we're all made from the same stuff. We all need the same stuff. And while I might pride myself and I, and I have from time to time on feeling like I need less sleep than other people. Yeah. Um, the point is, is I can't let my mind bully my body. And there's sometimes I think that leaders, especially people that want to be high achieving will let their minds bully their bodies into saying, well, you don't need to do this almost like we're superhuman. Right. And the reality is, is yeah, but we're not. We all need to eat and sleep. And sometimes all we need might just be a good nap. I mean, yeah. it's not super spiritual. It's super practical. But I think that's kind of that that hiding and, and really goes back to the Garden of Eden. Um, you know, again, I, I told you I can't I can't not have my faith persuasion in this because the moment Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid. They hid from each other and they hid from God. And I feel like that's one of the things that we get really good at is, is hiding. But what does hiding do when it, when you're dealing with, could be anxiety, it could be depression, it could be burnout, could be trauma, could be stress, any of those things that we would lump into that, that mental health or emotional health basket. Chad, is hiding ever good? Like, does any benefit come from that? I think it just compounds the problem. Unfortunately, it compounds the problem and it makes something that could have been a little bit easier to deal with. It makes it very hard to deal with. And, and you know, and even I'll go back to this point with you, okay? I think you and I are, are pretty similar when it comes to parenting and, and, and watching out for these kids, okay? And Bobby, if your daughter comes to you and she's like, Dad, I've got a problem. Your first instinct is you want to what? I want to fix the problem. I want to fix the problem, right? And you know what? I think sometimes as parents and even as leaders, sometimes you just need to listen, right? You just need to listen. And I've made this mistake many of times with my kids. Um, you know, my daughter, she's a, she's a junior at UCM, and we talk every day, right? And what I've learned about her is sometimes she just needs to vocalize some things that's going on in her life. Sometimes she just needs to talk about them. And 
the biggest thing for me on that is learning to just listen, right? Because when she gives me things that she wants to talk about, my first reaction is, well, I can fix that. Here's what you need to do. Well, the reality of it is, is she may not process that the same exact way. So part of part of the balance in this for me is just learning how to listen. And that doesn't really do anything for, you know, my anxiety level, but maybe it does for hers. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, okay, so we need to learn not to hide, right? So we've got to be willing to share. But if you're on the other side of that, where somebody is trying not to hide and they're trying to share, we need to learn the best ways to help. And and helping is not always fixing because we don't always process the same. And I think that's really practical advice because um, what you don't want your daughter to do is to feel like every time she shares with you that you're going to fix it your way because then she may start hiding from you because she doesn't feel like she can be honest without, you know, without that listening piece. And I think that's, that's where that hiding and helping kind of go hand in hand. But I will say, put yourself back in her shoes and really put yourself in anyone's shoes because we all have a tendency to hide and we have to come out of hiding in order to really begin healing. Yeah. It's when we hide that it's it's dangerous. And I go again to go back to the Garden of Eden. God sought out Adam and Eve, brought him out of hiding. And uh, those of you that know the story know that there's there's a lot there's a lot there that has to do with coming to the light and out of the darkness. And that doesn't just mean, of course, it means I, I believe in sinful thoughts and behaviors, of course. But I think it's even the stuff that. We're just afraid to be judged. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of uh, how people are going to perceive us. But in all reality, most of those fears are unfounded. Um, and even if somebody looks at you a little different for admitting that this is something that you might struggle with, um, I think the reality is is you don't find healing until you admit it. And so it's kind of like going to the doctor, right? I mean, there's yeah. times you need to go to the doctor and... Um, Maybe you're a little embarrassed to put on the hospital gown, right? Get the examination, Chad. But at the end of the day, if that's how they find out how to help you, getting over that initial embarrassment, wearing the goofy gown, as I like to call it, is worth treating what's actually what's actually wrong. So, uh, yeah. So personally, what what do you do as a as a leader and somebody that I know runs at a pretty fast pace? in life and leadership and is really effective in what you do. What do you do to guard your mental health or maybe take it a step further out of all of the things, uh, whether it's stress, burnout, um, anxiety, depression, any of the things we've talked about, is there one of those that you have to kind of watch a little bit more out for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I heard, I heard one say one time, Bobby is when you become selfless, you can, you can be fearless. You know what I mean? And, and I can tell you, honestly speaking, what, what I've done and, and working on and still, and still working on to try to get better at this. But sometimes what I do is I explode, you know, I, I get upset. I get angry. Um, I get mad. I lash out. And I tell you, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything for me. So what I've learned um, is to sometimes just just to stop and just to pause. 
and and just to just to reflect on what can I control in this situation? What are the inputs that I can control? What is it that I can actually make an impact on? Okay. And try to focus on those because there's some things that I can't control, Bobby. Okay. There, there's some things that I just am not going to be able to fix and I can worry about those and I can create anxiety about those things. But the reality of it is the only thing I'm doing is compounding the problem because there's no input that I can put into that to change anything. Right. So I try to pause. I try to look back at the problem and focus on what is in my control. Okay. Focus on exactly what is it that I can do. Um, prime example of this is, you know, when when COVID hit, you know, my my business shut down. Now we were we were one of the essential businesses, so we still had to function. But how could I still function and still take care of people and still take care of the people that work for me and be safe doing it? How could I do that? So I had to really look at all the things that were in my control and create the plan from that because there was no way I was going to prevent any of the other things that were happening in the world, but I had to focus on my little piece of it and what could I do. So um, to, that's a long answer to your question, but to go back to it, I, ha- I have to stop sometimes and I have to just hit pause, figure out which route to go and then start back again. Yeah, no, I think there's some some good truth in that. So if you're listening in, think about the power of pause. You know, as leaders... I don't know that we always really think about what it means to stop because again, a lot of us that that are in a leadership position, um, we're focused on moving forward, moving the organization forward, moving the business forward, being successful, all the things that come with leading. And while all those are true, it kind of makes me think, Chad, if, if you're driving a car and the car needs to be looked at, fixed, examined, whatever, um, it would be really hard. I'm going to go so far as to say it's impossible to fix a moving car. I mean, you have to be willing to pull over and stop. And while I'm not a huge racing fan, um, not a NASCAR uh, person per se, but I understand the basics that even those cars that speed around that track at rates of speed that uh, are pretty significant. They have to pull over at least momentarily for those pit stops. Yeah, and I think no matter how fast you run in your leadership, the power of pause that that Chad talks about, kind of this idea of just stop, um, is something we we have to learn to do. Sometimes it's stop and rest. Sometimes it's stop and eat. Sometimes it's stop and process. Stop and reflect. But there's there's got to be some pit stops. There does. Yeah, for or, sure. Or you're going to flame out, right? You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to run out of gas. And I think that's one of the things that you mentioned for you, um, kind of that that anger can kind of build up and lash out. I think the thing I have to really guard against is, is burnout. You know, it's going too fast, too far, um, or for too long. And, and then you get to a stage where you're past a hit stop at that point. You don't need just a little bit of fuel or the tires changed. You've, you've almost burned out the engine, you, right. you know, and, uh, and I've got to guard against that because when that happens, if you truly burn out, um, that, that leads to some really self-destructive behavior. And so I'm glad you shared that, you know, I think stop then 
should lead to some kind of examination, right? You yeah. stop what you're doing so that you can examine, evaluate um, where you're at, why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Um, sometimes I think that also involves others. It's kind of like going in for an exam. If I go to the doctor's office, I go to the dentist, I'm getting some kind of exam. I can't do that on myself, Chad, not effectively. I right. need a professional or, or somebody, maybe not a professional in this case, though sometimes you do, but I need somebody who can, from the outside in, be a little bit more objective than me and say, all right, Bobby, here's why I think you might be feeling that way right. and be able to speak truth. What Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the best person to examine you is the one that knows you the best, right? Whether that's a family member, whether that's a friend, whether, you know, somebody that knows you the best. But I would also contend that sometimes the best person to examine you is the one that knows you not at all. You know what I mean? Because then they don't know the faults that are there. They don't know how, they don't know the things that make you tick. They don't know those kind of things. So they can be totally objective when they're speaking to you as, as far as, you know, how to get better, you know? So maybe that's when some potential therapy comes in or something like that. So, you know, the big thing is, is, is to make sure that, that, that examination is happening within your own mind. And again, it goes back to, you know, for me, focus on what I can control, focus on the inputs that involve me and the inputs that involve the things that I have the biggest impact on. Yeah. And I, I, I want our listeners to hear that there, there's certainly a time for self-examination and we are advocating that, but keep in mind when your own brain is examining your own brain, you're going to get limited feedback because we don't want to admit that we might be flaming out or, or, or on the road to burnout. We don't want to necessarily admit that we might have levels of anxiety, some of which have been created. And Chad, honestly, as leaders, we don't want to admit if we need professional help because that seems to counteract the idea of leadership. But that's not true. That, that examination, especially when it comes to mental health and emotional health, that examination most likely involves someone else, a right. trusted friend sometimes, Sometimes, like you said, someone who doesn't maybe even know us and, and, and know us in the sense of, you know, our faults and can give us some very, very honest, objective feedback. But I think it's okay to get professional counseling and professional help in areas like this, because otherwise we're trusting our brains to fix our brains. And, you know, that's not necessarily put it this way. I got something wrong with me physically. Um, I want a doctor working on me. I don't want to put a a bandaid on a bullet hole, right? Because that's not going to necessarily fix the problem. Well, the things that can actually be a battle, you know, you and I both have the pretty similar personalities, both driven individuals, both competitors. We want to win at everything we do. And part of the problem with that is if you're doing that self-examination, that could be almost a fearful of, of you losing at something, right? So no, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to battle through it. Well, I would say some of your best leaders have have actually struggled with the battle. Yeah, and again, if you can get some help early on, if you can have somebody speak into your life and speak truth into your life early on, you probably can avoid some of those stories that we hear and and probably all of us know. We probably all know someone 
who we we didn't expect it. Right. But they went from seeming like they had it all together, you know, had the world by the tail to it all fell apart. Um, and that's that's not how it happened. I mean, that's the yeah. reality. It didn't happen overnight. They just ignored um the symptoms, the warning signals, the the dash lights, so to speak, and until the engine blew up. And we don't want that to happen uh, because that not only affects you, we know that goes beyond just the person and affects others in the organization. So if you stop and you examine, now you have the opportunity to learn. So what would you say when it comes to your own experience with learning how to maybe, as you mentioned, that anger builds up and and it can lead to kind of, you know, that, that reaction. How have you learned to temper that? Well, some of it's been hard lessons, right? Some of it's been, you had to make mistakes to do that. Um, you know, uh, some of it's been accountability partners from my wife, you know, of, of her realizing that sometimes that does happen with me. And then, you know, when things are calmed down, she explains to me what happens. And sometimes that's just me opening my eyes and looking at that and saying, well, that's not who I want to be. That's not who I am. You know, I'm a better person than that. But also what that also is, is, is the learning side of things. Um, you know, anybody who doesn't want to learn right now is probably in a bad stage because the abilities for us to learn anything, it, there's a lot of resources, you know, so whether that's a podcast to learn, whether that's uh, YouTube to learn, whether that's books out there to learn, whatever you like to do, the resources are out there for you to learn from. Now, some of that learning also is going to come from people who are educated to teach this, okay? Whether that be through therapy, whether that be through um, doctors, whether that be through anybody like that, sometimes you're going to have to learn through those methods. So the whole learning side for me, it comes from a number of different places, you know, but the best learning that I've had is probably those from those who have been through this before and can kind of help me walk through it. Yeah. And, and you made a good point, you know, leaders are learners. You stop learning, you stop leading in my, in my opinion. I think if you've ever been around, maybe you've sat in a room or you've been around people and there's that one person, maybe it's more than one, but there's that one person that just seems to be a know-it-all. You know, if, you, if you've been in that environment uh, and probably everyone listening has at some point been in a classroom or been in a group and there's just that person that just, they, they, they seem to know everything, or at least they think they know everything. And I oftentimes think, I don't want to be that person, Chad, because I can really learn something from everyone. I may learn what not to do, but I can still learn something. I can learn something from every room. I can probably learn something in every situation if I'm willing to pay attention and to admit that I, I don't know everything. And I think that's where this, this comes in is you're, you're saying, what can I learn about myself? What can I learn from others? And so I just wanted to share, here's something that I recently learned about myself when it comes to my own mental and emotional health that I need healthy distractions and healthy disruptions. And so here's what I mean by that. You know, oftentimes I think we think of the term distraction and and we we almost think of it in negative context. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to focus, but I'm distracted. Um, or, you know, hey, in life, you want to avoid distractions. Things are going to take your focus or attention off what it needs to be on. And that's true. Those are, those are the negative or the unhealthy distractions. But 
for me, Chad, I have to find some healthy distractions because otherwise my mind will just continue over and over and over to run this mental race. Again, part of it's probably just how I'm wired. So to find some healthy distractions at the right time to pull me away is healthy for me to avoid burnout. And the same with disruptions, you know, and, and disruptions, I would say, have more to do with the amount of time. Like I need to disrupt my schedule in, in a planned, productive way to say, okay, Bobby, um, it's okay this afternoon to take a 30 minute nap. Like that's okay. It's not only okay, Bobby, it's actually good. It's healthy. Um, it's not healthy if you don't. That That's kind of the point. So healthy distractions and healthy disruptions, that's something that, you know, I've recently learned from listening to others, from being kind of honest, again, through some of that self-evaluation, but also mm, from some other people challenging me. And I've, I've just had to learn that that's okay. I'm not going to let my mind bully my body, as, as we mentioned earlier. And I'm going to say, no, the body needs rest and it's okay to have some healthy distractions and disruptions. So again, a little bit hard to admit, you know, in my, in my forties, it's like, you really, you haven't figured that out up to this point. A lot of people younger than me have already kind of figured that out. Well, no, I hadn't, or at least I hadn't practiced it. And now I'm trying to, to do better on that. So yeah, I think that learning thing's key. Uh, so what do we do next? What's, what's kind of our final step, at least what we're sharing with this mental battle and focusing on our mental health. You know, if, if you look at the things that we've talked about, these, the stop, you know, the power of pause, examine, um, learning, you know, if, as you guys know, Bobby and I like to use these acronyms because it helps us remember how to process this stuff. And hopefully it helps you guys as well. But if you look at that, the last letter in that acronym, when we're talking about self is forward. And I think you have to move forward and just understand that you will face this once again. This is going to be a battle that is not going to be over. Um, this is a battle that's going to be paused. This is a battle that's going to subside for a little bit, and then it's going to come back up again. But guess what? You've already learned some of the things to deal with it. You've already learned some of some of the resources that you've got out there. So go back to that examination. Go back to that pause, and then continue to move forward. Um, you know, this, this whole idea of mental health and, and, you know, for you sports fans out there, okay, we can watch some of these sports athletes kind of go through this and it, and it's interesting watching them go through it. Um, prime example right now, I'm probably going to go down as probably one of the best quarterbacks out there. Although I'm not a big fan of him just because of a lot of the things that's happened, but Tom Brady, I mean, wouldn't you say he's going to go down as probably one of the best quarterbacks ever? Well, I mean, I hate to admit it at this point. He is the GOAT, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the GOAT. Whether you like him or not, you look at the success and you have to say he's the greatest of all time up to this point. Yeah. Hopefully that's not always true for us Kansas City fans, but the point is, yeah, he is. Yeah, and, and you just kind of watch what he's going through this year. You know, here's a guy who was on top of the world. You know, he's on top of the world, Super Bowl champ. He's got all these rings. You know, you looked at his family life. You looked at all of these things and you're just like, man, this guy's got it all. And then this year he decides, yeah, I'm not retired. I'm actually going to come back and play again, which, you know, at his age, your body probably shouldn't do that anyways. But that's beside the point. And you look at what's happening to him this year. I think I think the count now is two um, surface tablets that he's broke on the sidelines. I think we're up to two now. And the way he's talking to these team players, the things that you've never seen out of this guy before, he is unraveling at the seams. 
it's a mental health battle. I guarantee you. Yeah, absolutely. And some of us from the outside know a little bit of what's going on just because of the things we read. But the reality, Chad, is we never know all of what's going on because yeah. of what you said. It is a mental health battle. And I think as, as we even think of sports, I think of a guy like Russell Wilson and uh, not a Denver Broncos fan. So I certainly enjoy seeing them struggle and lose. Um, but we've seen Russell Wilson be a very successful, high-level quarterback, a very respected. Uh, I have a lot of friends that live in Seattle, and so a lot, a lot of respect for him. Um, even as a person of faith, he's he's garnered some respect there. But he's in a situation; he's struggling this year. The Broncos are struggling this year, and um, I don't care who you are when you're struggling and you're being ridiculed. You know, the, this whole acquisition is is really being ridiculed, and will it turn around or not? I don't know, but I do know this that everybody faces that most of us just aren't Russell Wilson or Tom Brady yeah. and people aren't going to know our names. and They're not going to know our battles and maybe in a good, maybe that's a good thing, Chad, because the more public it is, you know, we're not talking about hiding now. We're talking about the public scrutiny. The more public it is, the more difficult it might be. But you mentioned moving forward. And I think that's true. We don't want to move backward, but we need to move. There's a time to stop and pause. And obviously, as we reflect and learn and, and go through that process, but then there's a time to say, I don't want to move backward. So what I learned, I want to apply. I want to move forward. I want to move the organization forward. I want to move forward in life. And I want to move forward with the understanding that I will need to stop again. And it goes back to, again, for sports fans that don't like football, but like NASCAR, trying to hit everybody here, at least as many as we can. Yeah, you, you can race and you can move pretty fast. You're still going to need to pull over um, and do the pit stop. And guess uh, and guess what, Bobby? In the, in the whole speaking of NASCAR, those who stop are on fresher tires, they get to move faster than the people that are still on the track. Yeah. They yeah. win in the end. Yeah. They and just that, do. And, and that's what's, if you've ever watched it, which I've not watched a lot. I mean, I, I've watched enough to understand that you just keep turning left, but I've also watched enough to understand that, yeah, th there's probably when you first start, maybe even when you continue, there's almost this idea of, well, I'm losing time by pulling over. Right. I mean, almost like, well, I can't afford to stop because other cars are going to pass me. But it's what you said. It's the fresh tires, if nothing else. And I'm sure there's more that goes into it than that. But it, it, it certainly is. You're going to move faster and you're going to finish. And, and that would be my concern is the leader that says I can't afford to stop the power of pause um, is probably not going to have great examination because it's it's kind of hard to examine a car that's in motion. Yeah. You know, uh, probably not good to try to fix the plane while it's flying, you know? Um, so you're not gonna be able to examine. If you can't examine, you can't learn. You can't learn what to do, what not to do, what to do better and what to stop doing altogether, which means really, are you moving forward? I mean, maybe, maybe in motion you are, but are you really moving forward in a healthy way? And I would, I would contend and say, if you're not stopping examining and learning that you're moving, but you may think you're moving forward and you're actually moving backward and that's dangerous. Uh, so yeah, I think this is some good practical stuff. It spells self for those of you that were following along. As Chad said, we, we just kind of like acronyms because it does. If nothing else, it helps us to remember. So if you're going to take care of yourself, make sure to stop, make sure to examine, 
probably involve some others in that. Make sure to learn and then move forward again. That's the, uh, that's the cycle. And it is a cycle. It's not a one-time thing. It is a continual cycle. And once you find that rhythm, Chad, lately I feel like I have found um, a much better rhythm. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, healthy disruptions and distractions. But I found a much better rhythm. And to be honest, uh, I do feel like I'm on fresh tires, yeah. so to speak. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad I'm practicing this, but certainly haven't got it mastered yet. So uh, any closing thoughts for us before we talk about next month? Yeah, I'll, I'll just have one closing thought and I'll keep that for the end though. But, uh, you know, this has been good. It, it's it's always been, um, you know, kind of eye-opening for us to kind of go through these. As we've said before, none of, these, none of this stuff is scripted for us. It's just from the heart, which is the only way we know how to do it, right? It's the only way we know how to do it. Because if you script, if you script guys like Bobby and I, it doesn't come off well at all. I, I'm horrible at that. Yeah, the only thing we figure out is our, our, you know, our our steps or our takeaway or our acronym, something we can leave you that's super practical, and the rest is from uh, just kind of the heart and experience. Feel like it it comes out better that way. And Chad, I learn from these. I hope others learn from these, but I learn from these as well because sometimes even just talking things through. Uh, listening to what you have to share, putting it all together. I'll go back. I'll listen to this again. And uh, and then I have have my own kind of takeaways and aha moments. So I hope that's happening for our listeners. Feel free to kind of pass uh, pass this on to, uh, to someone else. What we know about today's topic, it does relate to everyone because we're all Absolutely. made from the same stuff. Absolutely. Bobby, what are we talking about next month? December. What in the world? December. We're going to focus on December and we're going to talk about decisions. Now, we've talked about decisions before, but uh, we're going to kind of use a little bit of a race analogy as we talk about decisions. There are some decisions, Chad, that are that are marathon decisions, and we'll, de- we'll define what we mean by that. There are some decisions that are sprint decisions. We'll define what we mean by that. And uh, we're going to talk about how how it's best to understand which ones are which so you don't confuse the two. And this will apply to those who are leading organizations, but it will also apply to those who are just simply trying to lead their own lives in, yeah. in a way that makes sense. So December is about decisions as we close out the year. Looking forward to that one. You bet. You bet. Well, if this has been helpful to you, make sure you share that out there. Make sure you give us one of those Google reviews, five-star reviews. You know, everything's about the reviews these days, Bobby. So we need all these reviews we can get because that just spreads our message to that many more people. So that's good. And uh, I'm going to close this out a little different here, Bobby. I'm going to put you on the spot just because, you know, throughout the day, throughout our conversation today, we've talked a lot about faith because that's how you and I get through it. That's how you and I get through it, and, I, and I'm assuming many others get through it. So, you know, this one's a little off the cuff. We've tried to kind of keep faith out of these things for the most part because we know not everybody resonates with that with that sometimes, but this was the only way we knew how to do this one. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Bobby, and I'm going to ask for you to just just say a prayer for us as we, as we exit out of this. Well, yeah, I can do that, and uh, I will preface the prayer with something that um, it is the most highlighted, Chad, verse according to the analytics now that people are um, highlighting and reading the Bible online. So certainly this doesn't apply to the old school print Bibles. We don't know what's highlighted in your print Bible, but we do know what's highlighted in the online and the app versions. And the most highlighted verse, um, which is interesting to me since we're talking about it, comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And it basically says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God, 
And the peace of God uh, that transcends all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I think there's a path to peace, and it's to not be anxious, and to not be anxious uh, revolves around this idea of prayer and trusting God to help us. So let's do that. Uh, God, we come before you, and uh, we just thank you that you give us answers, very practical answers. We thank you that you make faith practical, but part of that is praying. It's pausing to say that we need some help. Uh, We can't do it on our own, and so help us to be honest enough to admit that we need help. Help us to come out of hiding, because hiding is what leads to healing. And with your help, as we stop, examine, and learn, um, helps to move forward in healthy ways for not only us, our families, the people around us, our organizations, uh, but really... Uh, being healthy people uh, in the world, in the world that you put us in. So, uh, so we need you. We need that peace that guards our hearts and our minds, and it's a peace that ultimately I think only you can give. And so we uh, we just trust you to give that to us. Thanks so much. In your name, Amen. Have a great month, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, thanks for joining the Epic Leadership Podcast. Man, this is just fun for Bobby and I just to kind of talk back and forth and hopefully give you some good insights into some leadership of a couple different industries. And if you've enjoyed it, we would love to have a good review. Uh, Give us a five-star rating if you can. Share it with some friends. If you didn't like it, then tune in again next time and we will try to do better. We'll see you next time, guys.